Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, both got contract extensions to the 2027 season. Everybody's giving you their opinion on it, and I want to give you mine, and we're going to do that next. Welcome into a Wednesday night, nine o'clock live here. If you guys are new to the channel, new to our Facebook page or Twitter, I am the founder and the co-owner of Built in Buffalo, Dave Myers, also known as DM3. Um, I wanted to come on here and talk about a subject that it seems like everybody's talking about. I wanted to put my spin on it, look at it a little differently. I want to I want to dig into the optics of this, the timing of it, what this means for the franchise going forward. Um, again, we have Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean through 2027. So if you're new, please hit that like. If you're watching on Facebook, hit smash the like, subscribe. Um, we have a brand new lineup rolling out here in a few weeks, and I'm pretty excited about it. Um, we have some really dedicated, devoted individuals that are going to talk Bills football all season long. So stick here, stick with us wherever you're watching this. Um, we're going to have daily content for you. So let's talk about it. So Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott. Contract extensions, as you can see right there on the screen, we have McBean till 2027. And a lot of people are talking about the timing of this and, you know, what does this mean for the franchise? So I want to look at it a little differently. And I, I want to go back a little bit. I want to rewind um, because I feel like the timing of this couldn't have been any more perfect. So everybody knows the situation with Stefan Diggs. Wherever you look in the national media, Stefan Diggs is being talked about one way or the other. I think we've all kind of been exhausted talking about Stefan Diggs um, and what's going on with him in the future of him with the team. So I'll go back to recap, you know, just briefly what what transpired uh, back at mandatory minicamp. So Stefan Diggs does what he's asked to do. He shows up, has his physical. He does some other testing, talks to Sean McDermott. Both parties agree that maybe it's best if he takes the day off um, and he goes home for the day. Now, I don't know the timing between when that happened and when Sean McDermott jumped on his press conference, um, but I can tell you that it was probably pretty pretty quick to the timing of when McDermott found out that, you know, okay, we need to talk further with Diggs. He's going to go home. Um, and did Sean McDermott maybe put his foot in his mouth a little bit? Absolutely. Um, and if we know anything about Sean McDermott, he's typically cool, calm, collected, he is a guy that is going to, um, you know, tell it like it is. He's not going to sugarcoat things. He doesn't joke around during the season. He doesn't come off as this, you know, comedic person. So when we hear our coach saying that he's very concerned, um, we get very concerned, right? Because we know what these players mean to Sean McDermott. We know what these guys mean off the field to the Buffalo Bills community. We know what these guys mean to each other in the locker room. Um, and Sean McDermott will always look at these players as a person first and a football player second. So when we found that all out, we, we, we were kind of taken back by it. We didn't, we didn't have that, you know, take a minute, think on it, collect our thoughts and then come back to it because we are living in society that is, Got to get things things out now. Got to got to beat the first. Got to be the first person to get this this news out. We have to stoke the fire. You know, we have to make sure that this is being talked about all over the place. 
So Stefan Diggs shows up to the second day of mandatory camp and does team activities. Looks like he's sort of rebuilding some rapport with Josh Allen. There was some some signs of you know him in, in of Josh and Diggs kind of cutting it up a little bit. Not like we've seen years past, but you can see the camaraderies was starting to come back, right? Um, Diggs was even seen doing some some exercises with some of the young guys, some of the young receivers, some of the undrafted guys, some of you know the new guys on the team. Um, he's committed, right? I, I think we can all agree in Buffalo Bills land that Stefan Diggs is here for the long haul. He's here to help this team win the ultimate prize, which is the Lombardi Trophy, and bring that home to Buffalo. I think he wants to be here. So with that being said, I say all that to say this. The timing of this could not have been more perfect. If you watch anything on social media, Colin Cowherd, you watch Rich Eisen, any of these national insert name on ESPN, right? They're all talking about the culture now in Buffalo. It has it taken a hit because of the Stefan Diggs situation. Oh my God. He threw his arms up at Josh Allen, you know, when they were getting blown out by the Bengals and he didn't show up to the press conference. He cleaned his locker out early. Wasn't really speaking about the team in the off season. Took all his bills, you know, content off of his Instagram page, cryptic tweets like Stefan Diggs always does. So, I think that extending Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean is a sign from the Pagulas, who we have to admit, like them or not, they are very smart, business savvy individuals, right? So you look at this, you say, okay, so out in the world, we have this, there's this concept that's floating around that the culture is taking a hit in Buffalo. So what should we do about it? Well, to reassure our fan base, first and foremost, because the Pagulas have always been about the fan base. Whenever they talk about anything, they talk about the fan base and how passionate they were fans and how they care about us as Buffalo Bills fans. How can we kind of squash, you know, anything that's being put out there and make it, you know, have a, have a sign of, of solidarity out there. Um, let's give our head coach and our general manager extensions and show that we have the utmost faith in these guys to lead this team to a championship into the future, be competitive. And that's what they did. Now, I think that this absolutely is a, a like like it says in the title of the show. It's a well deserved. They got what they deserved. It's a very well deserved contract extension. I mean, I'm I'm going to touch on the resume of both guys while they're with their their tenure with the Bills. I'm going to touch on all of that. Um, but I wanted to get that out of the way. I think the optics. You know, a lot of people aren't really digging into the timing of this. They're just thinking that it was because of you know, what they've done in the past and they're built long-term. I think the, the timing was perfect by the Pagulas to show, Hey, we are all in with Sean McDermott. We are all in with Brandon Bean. We're fully confident of what McDermott can do with the players on the field. And we're fully confident with what Brandon Bean can do, you know, in the personnel business side of it. So I'm 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 absolutely ecstatic about about the move. We have not had a head coach or a general manager 
enter their seventh season in a very long time. A very long time. You have to look back to Marv Levy and Bill Polian. And that was, for some of you watching, that may be before you were even Bills fans, before you were even watching football. Um, so a couple things, side notes that I wanted to address because I think the elephant in the room is the constant comparison of Sean McDermott to Andy Reid because he's a descendant, a direct descendant from Andy Reid. Um, he coached with him in Philadelphia. Um, he's from the Reed tree, right? If you look at Andy Reed's career, long, long tenured career, he's been a head coach for 24 years, right? 24 seasons. He's got 22 playoff wins in 24 years. So say what you want. Maybe there was some rebuilding years in there. Maybe there was some things just didn't work out. Stiff competition in the NFC East, what have you. But if you break down even further Andy Reed's coaching career with the Kansas City Chiefs, He's been there 10 seasons. He has 12 playoff wins and 10 of those have come in the last four years. Yes, I know he has Super Bowl rings. I get it. He's got two. I get that. But if you look at his career overall with the Chiefs, you know, there's there's seasons in there where he didn't make the playoffs or he was one and done. He was he was exiting in the first round and it took him. How many years, 20 years for him to get a ring? So if we're going to constantly compare Sean McDermott to Andy Reid, I don't think that's a fair comparison. I really don't. And I feel like it took Andy Reid until his his sixth season to win a Super Bowl. So Sean McDermott's entering his seventh season. So wouldn't it be fair to say, okay, maybe this is the year that Sean McDermott finally, you know, crosses the finish line. So with all that, just take that with a grain of salt. I mean, it is what it is. I just... I see that the constant comparison between McDermott and Reed, and I don't think it's fair. Um, I don't think it's fair for either coach. I don't think it's fair definitely for Sean McDermott. Um, because if you want to look at the longevity of, of, you know, Marv Levy and put it aside, you know, side by side with Sean McDermott, right? Marv Levy had 182. He coached 182 games with the Bills. Sean McDermott's coach 97. Marv Levy's win percentage is 615. Sean McDermott's is 639. So he's trending right where Marv Levy was at, right? Right. At, it's, it's neck and neck, right? Right there. It's right there, right? So, I mean, a lot of people don't like when you bring up specific facts, right? We compare Josh Allen to Jim Kelly constantly, right? Because those are the two, probably the two greatest quarterbacks in this franchise's history. And Jim Kelly doesn't have a Super Bowl ring. Now, I'm not a Windsor QB stat guy, but Jim Kelly was never a member of a team that won a Super Bowl. So do we if if Josh Allen wins one, does that mean he was a better quarterback than Jim Kelly? And I know it's early and I know he's got time on his career. He's got probably at least 10 plus years left for Josh Allen we're talking about. But those are the type of things that we're constantly comparing our new regime of, of coaches, general managers, and players were constantly comparing them to the Super Bowl era. And I don't think that's fair for either group of guys. Um, because if you're gonna, if we're going to compare Marv Levy to Sean McDermott, or vice versa, however you want to phrase it, Marv Levy went to four Super Bowls but didn't win one. Sean McDermott has yet to win one. So if Sean McDermott goes to a Super Bowl and wins one, does that make him the best coach in Buffalo Bills history? I don't think that's fair to say because we want long-term success, right? But those things get overlooked. Um, 
consistency is is something I want to talk about um, with Sean McDermott because we all know Sean McDermott's a creature of habit, right? We all know that Sean McDermott loves to do things in his routines, and he always talks about habits and stuff like that. Um, Sean McDermott has been the, the most consistent head coach we've had in, in almost 30 years. If you go back to the drought era, the win percentage of the drought era coaches is 406. 406 over 17 seasons. That's if we want to go back to that, we can go back to that, or we can complain about you know and complain about Sean McDermott not winning a championship. Sean McDermott's won almost 64% of his games over six seasons. He took a 2017 team that had no no reason being in the playoffs. He took him to the playoffs. Now say what you want about what happened with Cincinnati helping us get in and backdooring our way in. It doesn't matter. We were in, right? He ended the drought. And he'll be forever tied in history as that coach that led a team quarterbacked by Tyrod Taylor to the Super Bowl. Or I'm sorry, to the playoffs. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Sorry. It's been a while, so bear with me. Um, I just I just feel like if you look back at where this team was with the fallout of Rex Ryan and you know how Rex Ryan completely destroyed this defense, this team's defense, and the offense really didn't have an identity. And then you bring in Sean McDermott. And what did Sean McDermott do? He sat up there six years ago. And he said, I'm going to change the culture of this organization. And we're, we're all like, dude, we've heard that before. We've heard that by seven or eight other guys over the last 17 years. Every coach that takes a head coaching position in their first press conference says, I'm here to change the culture. I'm going to change the locker room. I'm going to do it the right way. We're going to work harder than everybody else. We're, you know, all the stuff you hear from every head coach that's ever taken. And I can go back to this past off, this current offseason and, and look at all the hires that were just made. And they probably said similar things. But Sean McDermott has absolutely stuck to the, the script that he, he wanted to write for this team. Now, we haven't won a championship, but what did he want to do? He wanted to change the culture. He wanted this team to have an identity. And I think this team has an identity. I think this team absolutely has an identity every year. We're going to beat you up on defense, and we now have a franchise quarterback that can score on any team. It took two years to get there, three years to get there, but this team has an identity. And I'll lead to Brandon Beans and my, my point of, of emphasis of why I am ecstatic about extending him, and I think everybody feels the same, and I'll lead him. I'll lead to him in a minute, but you know, taking this team through 2017, 2018, where we took our lumps and then seeing what this team became in 2019, there was a lot of foreshadowing in 2019. There was a lot of stuff. And that's where I bring Brandon Bean in on this conversation. You know, 2017, it was Tyrod Taylor. There was the whole Nathan Peterman situation. And kudos to Sean McDermott because he owned that. He owned that mistake. He came out and he said, this is something that this is on me. I thought he was ready. I made a mistake. I'm going to learn and grow from this. And Sean McDermott does that a lot, right? We want our a leader of our team to own up to expectations, to own up to mistakes. We want him to tell us, 
not what we want to hear, but what we have to hear as fans. If we're not good enough, he's going to tell us we're not good enough. If the team loses, he's going to tell us why. If the team wins and plays well, he's also going to tell us why. Um, if there's certain things going on within that locker room and it translates on the field, he's going to let us know. And I think that's refreshing from a head coach to be truthful about what is going on within the confines of that locker room and, and what it translates to on the field, what these guys are doing in practice. He talks all about their habits and how they're working hard. And it may be cliche and it may be stuff that we've heard a thousand times before, but that's who he is. And I think we know who Sean McDermott is. We didn't know what to expect from Rex Ryan or Dick Duran or Greg Williams or Chan Gailey or Mike Malarkey. We didn't know what to get Doug Marone. We didn't know what we were getting from those guys because they weren't around long enough for us to see what their vision was for the team. We just took whatever was put out on the field. We took a lot of losses and we, we moved on to the next coach. Rinse, repeat every two to three seasons, new coach, new system, new players, three years later, same thing on and on. So McDermott, and, and I led this conversation about McDermott or this, this segment on McDermott about consistency. We have consistency. We know who our head coach is. We know what to expect from our offense. We know what to expect defensively because Sean McDermott is calling plays. And that's something that I don't think is getting talked about enough. He and Leslie Frazier, their relationship, whatever it was, they parted ways. If it was the Bills fired Leslie Frazier, Leslie Frazier walked away from the organization, whatever spin they put on it, however that it went down, Sean McDermott is taking the full onus of this defense and, and he's putting it on his shoulders. So guess what? If this defense doesn't show up in the postseason, there is nobody but nobody to blame except Sean McDermott. There is there's no scapegoat. There's no Leslie Frazier. There's no 13 seconds wasn't me. It was him. Well, was it him or was it me? There's no more of that conversation. He's taking full responsibility, and that takes balls. If I'm being 100%, that takes balls for someone to say, okay, you know what? I could have easily passed the buck. We brought in some guys. We brought in Al Holcomb. You know, we have Eric Washington. You know, we have all these guys that have we can give this position to. But you know what? I want you to assist me. I want you to help me make sure this defense is performing on the field. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to me in my decision making. And I, I think that not a lot of people are, are saying that that takes that takes a lot to put that on yourself. That's like when you go to work and the toughest task you take on yourself. And if your company fails, it's you have, there's no one to blame because you put it on yourself. So I think this season will be a lot of self-reflecting for Sean McDermott as well as, as you know, I think there will be some growth opportunities. I think there will be some, some things made changes on the fly. I think there will be a lot of adjustments in game, which, We've been clamoring for for years how this team doesn't make in-game, you know, decisions as far as, you know, changing up philosophies and things like that. And that goes back to Brian Dayball um, when he was the offensive coordinator a few years back. Like, are we going to change our philosophy? Why does the offense look different 
in the in the second half? Or why does the defense look different in the second half? Is Sean McDermott now calling plays? You know, what's going on here? So we have stability within the coaching staff. We have a coach that's going to be here at the end of this contract upward of almost 11, 12 seasons. And we haven't had that. And I think we all needed to take a step back and actually acknowledge what we have um, and what we, we get tied up with. And I put a post on Twitter a few days back and it kind of got good feedback. It got some negative engagement. It, it kind of was split down the middle um, because I think fans were kind of, they were kind of torn. I think like, why are we giving a contract extension to a guy that hasn't done anything right? There's always that argument from fans that want to say he hasn't won a championship. Why are we, why do I, why are we extending him? And then you have the fans that are saying, well, look, this guy's built a team that's constantly competing. Stop talking about the stacked rosters. Like, yes, Brandon Bean, and we'll get into that. Brandon Bean has gone out and, and given this guy everything he could within the, the, the confines of, of the salary cap and the draft and things like that. But let me tell you, you can have a stacked roster, top to bottom, quarterback, running back, wide receivers, offensive line, tight ends, defensive line, DBs, linebackers, whatever, special teams, kicker, punter. You can have a stacked roster. But a lot of things happen, right? A lot of things factor into getting these guys to execute on the field, right? It's play calling. It's putting guys in situations to be successful. Injuries, as we saw last year, and I'm going to get into that in a minute too. These guys need to stay healthy. They need to stay motivated. They need to be given, you know, the proper expectations. You know, they need to have the proper coaching when things aren't going their way. Someone who's there to pick them up. Like we all, we all look back at that, at that video of Stefan Diggs from the 2020 champion AFC championship game, staring at that putrid red and yellow shit that was falling from the ceiling when the, the chiefs won over the bills in the AFC championship game. Right. And we saw Sean McDermott come out and console his player. And that's the guy who leads our team. We saw it this past season with Stefan Diggs again, where he was obviously frustrated at his role in the offense. And he put his head down. And if, if you don't get choked up from seeing that, it's like he almost went to him as almost like a father figure and said, I need to get involved. Like, help me figure it out. Like what's going on. And Sean McDermott was there. He was that guy that he confided in. So we have that as our head coach. And I know I'm kind of getting sidetracked a little bit derailed. Um, I haven't been live in two plus years solo. So there's going to be some rants. There's going to be some sidebars. There's going to be stuff that pops in out of the blue. Um, but we, we were, we were in the depths of, 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 of hell as far as coaching. It was a carousel for 17 years. We thought we had a new shiny, you know, new shiny toy that was going to be a head coach. Nope. Same thing. Losing record three years in a row, two years in a row, three years in a row, two years in a row. Pagulas tried to make a splashy move by hiring Rex Ryan. That blew up in their face. And then came along Sean McDermott. Um, but back to his press conference when he was, you know, introduced as the Bills head coach. A lot of the stuff he said has come to fruition. Our goal is to win the AFC East first and foremost every single season. They've done that, right? It took them a couple years, but they did that. 
And there's all the naysayers that are going to say, well, it took Tom Brady to leave the division for somebody else to, to carry the torch. No, it just, I think in 2020, if Tom Brady was still a member of the, the New England Patriots, I think the Bills still would have won that, that division. I honestly can say that wholeheartedly. 2020 was, was a fun season. 2020 was very eye-opening to a lot of fans, a lot of national media. You know, that was like the Josh Allen coming out party. And, you know, they won the division 2020, 21, 22. Um, I, I think they're the favorites to win it in 20 and 23. But that was his his goal. Win the AFC East. Check. Have a home game in Buffalo. Check. Compete for the conference championship. Check. We've done that. Um, build a consistent competitor. We are doing that. And what he's told you is that we are going to work harder than everybody else. And that's what I feel like that's what they do. I feel like if you, if you've seen any of the, of what this team does in the off season, in training camp, in rookie camp, in OTAs, in preseason, this team works their asses off for this coach. Um, and I think it's a respect factor. So, I think we're set up for success. Um, let me know in the comment section what you guys think. Again, if you haven't smashed the like, smash the like if you're watching, wherever you're watching on Facebook. Share <clears throat> share it on Twitter or retweet it on Twitter. Subscribe. Um, again, I'm DM3, um, co-founder, owner of Built in Buffalo. Um, I wanted to come on here. Nothing scripted. This is just me off the cuff trying to just talk about something that I feel like everybody's had a comment about everybody's had a live show about everybody's talking about on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, everywhere, uh, YouTube. So I want to give my take on that. Um, so let's talk for a minute about the 2023 season, because I don't think it gets talked about enough outside of the bills community. If ESPN wanted to do a 30 for 30, this would be something they could do a 30 for 30 on. If someone wanted to write a book, it would be a bestseller. So let's go back. And this will briefly tie in Brandon Bean for a second. So the 2023 offseason happens, right? The free agency happens. Brandon Bean goes out and gets Vaughn Miller, right? This huge splash defensive end that we have all been clamoring for since Sean McDermott's been the head coach. He needs an elite edge defender, right? So Brandon Bean finally figures out how to do it. There was some tea leaves out there that he was trying to do it the season before at the trade deadline. It didn't work out, whatever he gets, he gets Vaughn Miller. So that happens. So now you have a locker room with a couple superstars in it. You got Vaughn Miller, you got Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs. So for any head coach, that's, that's going to be a handful, right? expectations then hit the roof, right? Expectations go bananas for the Buffalo Bills. Who's beating the Bills? You saw it throughout the first two weeks of the season. Oh, my God. No one can compete with this team. All right, so we go back. Let's go back. The Bills draft happens. The Bills draft punter Matt Ariza. Punt God, right? Training camp rolls around or mini camp rolls around. Matt Ariza's all the allegations come out. Oh my God, what are we going to do? So again, I lump Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott together because I believe that this was a joint decision and some others within the organization, the Bills release Matt Ariza. So that situation happened. Um, the Bills were in the media like crazy that this never happens to our team. Oh my God, what's going on? 
if you agree or disagree with what the Bills did in that situation, how they handled it, the fallout from it, it doesn't matter. The decision was made. It is what it is, right? Things happen. Um, keep it moving. So in the midst of this stuff happening, there's a mass shooting at Tops, right, in Buffalo, which I think we've all seen, we've all have read, we've all we all know about what the Bills did for the community during that whole situation, um, led by Sean McDermott. He was out there. He was out in front of all of that stuff, um, talking with family members. He was out there trying to spread the word for, you know, love in the community. And he, he was spearheading all that stuff. The players also were there, but Sean McDermott was out in front of all that. And that's got to be difficult. Um, as we all know, Sean McDermott's a faith-based guy, and that has to be difficult for something for him to deal with personally. Um, we all know that Luke Knox passed away um, suddenly, you know, the son of, of Bill's tight end Dawson Knox. So again, that's being put on a head coach to, to bear all of that um, and share that with one of his players, like one of his, one of the guys that he's got a close bond with one of his 53 that he has a close bond with and has built the say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hey Hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This relationship with. So the season hasn't even started yet, right? And all of that stuff has happened, right? All that stuff has happened. All right, so the Bills have to open the season on Thursday night football against the defending Super Bowl champions. We all know how the Rams season played out. We didn't know that at the time, right? So tons of pressure on that head coach, tons of pressure on this team. The Bills go out and absolutely annihilate the Rams, right? It looked like the Bills were unstoppable, right? The team was prepared. The team, the, the play calling was dialed in offensively, defensively. Everything was working. It looked like, okay, executing's on point. You know, here we go. And then the Bills go and just beat the brakes off the Titans on Monday Night Football, right? They looked unstoppable, right? Offensively, defensively. They looked like they were toying with them at, by the third by the third quarter, the team looked bored, honestly. It looked like it was just David versus Goliath, and it, there was no way the Titans could compete with the Bills. Come to find out that Micah Hyde suffers a neck injury in that game, right? Out for the season. We as Bills fans thought that Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer were indestructible. They were superhuman. This is our SWAT team. This is our dynamic duo. What are we going to do? Like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? There's no way that we can go on. Well, let's see what type of depth we have. We've all been talking about all, all offseason how this is the deepest roster Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean have constructed in Buffalo. So the Bills go to Miami and they lose the weirdest game I've personally ever watched as a Bills fan, dating back through the drought. The Heat, whatever, I'm not making excuses for the Bills. That game was just odd. The Bills had almost 500 yards of offense, right? They should have they should have blown out the Dolphins if you look at it on paper. So that game happens, right? So we progress through the season. The Bills go into Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs in a really good matchup, right? We saw what the addition of Von Miller means against an elite quarterback. 
We saw Josh Allen against Patrick Mahomes in a repeat of the AFC divisional game from the previous season. We wanted to see those guys. Like it was talked about every week. Okay. The bills are beating the brakes off of people. You know, they're, they're, they look really good. They're the Super Bowl front runner, but here comes Patrick Mahomes. Can they go into Arrowhead? Can they do it? So they beat, they beat the chiefs. Everybody's saying, well, you know, do it, do it when it matters. Right. Okay. So whatever the bills are the number one seed in the AFC. And then the injury bug hits, right? So then we start losing Milano here and there. We start losing Jermaine Edmonds here and there. We still don't have Tredavious White. They're still trying to figure out who CB2 is. Um, Gabe Davis has been injured seemingly every game, right? He's playing on a a, a, a bum ankle, bum foot, whatever you want. But they're still, they're still out there winning games, right? They're still out there winning games. Um, and then we get to week nine. And week nine, I think, is when the biggest distraction happens. And it's not talked about enough as one of the biggest distraction of that of that of the of last season. So Josh Allen, partial tear in his, his UCL, right? Same injury that happened to Brock Purdy. If you want to say it was more severe, the injury to Brock Purdy, fine. But it happened in the playoffs and you could damn well guarantee that, and I'm I'm not throwing shade at Brock Purdy because I don't know if it was more severe than Josh's. It was reported that it was. It was reported that it wasn't. Neither here nor there. But you would have had to tie Josh Allen down with chains to get him to not play if that happened before either the Dolphins or the Bengals game, right? Whatever. So this is where I think we see some of the decline of the play calling on offense. Um, the decline of Stefan Diggs involved in the offense, the target share, all that, right? Okay, the Bills keep it moving. Josh Allen doesn't practice all week. We don't know who's starting. And then it's it's Josh Allen, right? It's the Josh Allen show for the rest of the year, playing injured with a brace on his elbow. All right. So then are we getting Tredavious White back? Is he ready? Is he actually going to play? He's been on the active roster for weeks now. It's reported Tredavious White is going to play. What happens? Von Miller tears his ACL. So now your stud defensive end is now out for the year. There was reports when it first came out that he was going to miss three games, four games. He'll be back by the playoffs and then come, come to find out it was season ending surgery. He was out, might miss time this year, right? So that happens, okay? Then there's a blizzard, record-setting snowfall in Buffalo and all of the outline, outlining surrounding areas. We're talking about where these guys live. We're talking about how these guys get to the stadium. We're talking about the stadium itself. I mean, you saw the pictures. You saw the, the snow up to the goalpost to where the cross went up, the crossbar. Like, so now we're talking about player safety. Are we canceling a game? Are we going to move it? So now the Bills have to lose a home game, play in Detroit again two weeks in a row, and then try to figure out how they're getting to the game, try to figure out how they're getting home from the game. You have to think that Sean McDermott and his team had that on their minds throughout that entire game, right? Is my family safe? We're, we're, we're finding out that there's been, been deaths in Buffalo because of the snow. People are getting just pounded by this snow what are we going to do 
you know, they were stuck there. They couldn't get home to their family. Thanksgiving was going to be, you know, in the Lions facility. Like All this stuff was happening, right? So you have a man leading his team through that, his players, his men, his guys. Like, he's got to deal with that because the players are concerned for, about their safety, their families, things like that. And now Sean McDermott has to answer to all these guys, right? And he's got to talk to the media. What are you going to do? How are you going to get these guys home? Are you being safe? Like what's happening? So all this is going on, right? And then the Monday night football game happens, right? Against the Cincinnati Bengals. And the DeMar Hamlin situation happens, right? Everybody knows about it. It's been well-documented. I don't, I don't think I need to talk about it. I'm not going to do it any justice. You know, I was watching that game. I was talking to all my built in Buffalo guys in the group chat. Like we didn't know what was going on. Thank you DF forever for the, the, uh, the, the $2 super chat. I appreciate it, man. Respect to you as well, brother. Thanks for watching, man. I appreciate it. Um, so the DeMar Hamlin situation happens, right? The national media did nothing but talk about how well Sean McDermott was the front runner to decide how all that stuff was going to be, laid out how he was going to take care of his team, how his team was going to respond, how his team was going to get home to their families, the national media, the press conferences, talking with the Cincinnati Bengals coaching staff, like all that stuff was being put out there about how he was leading this team. I mean, if you think about it, and I know this has been talked about, so just bear with me. I know this has been put out there. It's been covered, you know, a thousand times, but I, I didn't have a chance to do it, so I'm, I'm going to put my spin on it, and I want to talk about it. Um, how do you handle that situation? And, and so how I compartmentalized how to think about Sean McDermott in that situation was to think about how I would handle, you know, an emergency situation that happened to me or my friends or something that I witnessed. And I would probably freak out. And I'm not, I'm not on national television and I don't have 53 people looking at me like, what do we do coach? Like what, what's, what's going on? Like, I don't have that. And I would probably freak out. I don't have microphones stuck in my face. I don't have the national media scrutinizing everything that I say and do and how I act. I don't have the commissioner and the NFL officiating crew calling me saying, what are you going to do? What do you want to do? So I think he handled it with utmost most class. I think he had the best interest for the team. Um, I thought that it was, um, you know, if he could do it right, he did it right. Um, so we'll keep that moving. So after that, you know, you have the Bills have to play a game, right? So how do you get your guys motivated after they just witness what they witnessed, albeit it was a week later, um, cause we didn't know what they were going to do with the Monday night game at this point. It, it, okay. The finally it's okay. It's gone. So now you gotta go play the Patriots division rival, a team that is fighting for the playoffs. Um, it's at home in front of 63,000 crazy diehard fans that are going to be just emotional to the T, right? It's going to be an emotional situation, just not for you, but for everybody else. So you have to be concerned with everybody else, the national media your fans, um, your players, the rest of the coaching staff, all that, right? And I, I think 
say what you will about how the team performed and it, it you know, people say they won the game because of Naheem Hines, two touchdowns. They won the game. A touchdown's a touchdown either way. They handled that. You know, they won. You know, he he came out and he said that it, it was just a feeling that he's never felt before in the stadium. Um, the fans absolutely were just amazing. So that happens, right? They go into they they go against Miami. That game was a little weird. You know, the Bills pull that one out. And then this is where recency bias, I think, as fans kind of gets us, right? We always, as fans, no matter if it's the NBA, the NHL, MLB, the WNBA, soccer, whatever your your sport of choice is, um, it's probably the Bills and the NFL since you're here. Um, we, we're, all, we're always about what have you done for me lately, right? It's all about recency bias. We talk about, you know, the bills losing in the way they did against the Bengals. And we always want to point the finger at Sean McDermott. First, we wanted to point the finger at Ken Dorsey and said, Hey, you weren't prepared. Then we wanted to point the finger at Leslie Frazier and say, Hey, you weren't prepared. Then we finally were like, okay, those two guys are your coaches. Sean McDermott, this is on you. I think with everything that happened and I'm not giving him an excuse, but I think that everything that I just laid out to you, I think mentally, physically, emotionally, this team was exhausted. Um, and I think it caught up to him. Um, and I think some things boil over, you know, the antics from Stefan Diggs, um, some of the stuff that we saw from other players, Matt Milano post game interview. He said he was just, it was like, we were a deer in headlights. We just, we didn't know how to respond, react. We weren't proactive. We were trying to be reactive. And at that point it was too late, but everything I just laid out for you, 2017 season, no business making the playoffs. He ends the drought. Right with that lineup, that roster, um, I agree. DF forever. McDermott is, and these lists are coming out now, and he's he's barely cracking the top ten, which is comical um, of the top ten coaches right now. Um, but 2017, that that roster on paper had no reason making the playoffs. 2018, did he take some lumps? Yes, but it was Josh Allen's rookie season. We were dropped. Charles Clay touchdown from away from being seven and nine in a rookie quarterback's season. Like that's pretty good. Pretty good with a patchwork offensive line. And he's only given the players that he's given. He can only coach the players he's given. He's only given the, he can only coach the roster he's given, right? If he has some personnel decision making ability or not. Right. So 2019 happens. They get, they get better up front on, on the offensive line. They, they add receivers, right? The defense is still really good. They make the playoffs. They lose to the Texans. All right, fine. We're going to learn from it. Now, 2020 is a highly underrated season for a lot of reasons. That was the COVID season, right? There was no off season for this team. The draft was held from, you know, the, the draft was held from the basement of the commissioner, Roger Goodell, from his house, right? I'm convinced that was his basement, right? So it was weird, right? There was no there was no off-season camaraderie that was going to be built between the players and the coaching staff because there was no OTAs. There was no rookie minicamp. Uh, there was limited activities anywhere near the facility. That was the first year that Stefan Diggs came on board, right? So they had to navigate through that. We were worried about players opting out, like Star Latule. We thought Tredavious White might opt out. We thought that other players were going to opt out as well. No fans in the stands. It was just a weird season. 
but it was also a really good season because I think there was a brotherhood that was built around all that adversity. And who was the man leading the ship? Sean McDermott, right? Sean McDermott was able to, to steer through all of that awkwardness, deliver the first AFC East championship game, deliver the first playoff win for this team in 20 years, right? So he was able to do all that and navigate through the COVID season, the pandemic. We saw throughout the season, it bit the bills throughout the season. I remember one time when we had, I think we had one tight end available on game day because that whole room got COVID. Like, so stuff was happening. Um, so 2020 was was a unique season. 2020 had 2021 had adversity, right? You know, they went and they lost in that crazy weather game to the Patriots, right? Oh, see, the Bills were a flash in the pan. The Patriots are back. It's their division. We told you it wasn't going to last. And then somewhere in the following game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, something happened in the locker room at halftime. I don't know what it was, if it was a, a statement from Josh Allen, if it was something from the coaching staff, if it was something from McDermott, but the Bills came out in the second half, a determined team. Yes, they still lost that game, but the Bills absolutely looked like a different team. And the rest of that season, they went into Foxborough and absolutely beat the brakes off the Patriots. That's If you guys remember, that's that's the, the game where Stephon Diggs was telling everybody to shut the F up when he scored that touchdown, that's, that's that game where, you know, the bills were, where Josh Allen was kind of doing the flea flickers and he was doing all kinds of crazy stuff and he was waving goodbye to them. Um, and then the bills went and just absolutely obliterated the Patriots, you know, say what you want about the talent on the Patriots that season and that postseason. that was a bill Belichick coach team that Sean McDermott led Josh Allen led to a 30-point win. The, the Bills played a perfect game. Josh Allen was probably one of the best games played by a quarterback in postseason history. And then they went on to play the Chiefs, and, you know, 13 seconds happened. Um, so that happened, right? So I think as fans, we get stuck too much on we haven't gotten there yet. And I put a, I put a tweet out about 3% of all head coaches win the Super Bowl. There's 32 teams. There's 32 head coaches. Only one can win. You have a one in 32 chance, which is 3% of winning the Super Bowl. And I don't think people take that into account. There's 31 teams that watch another team raise the Lombardi every year. So I think the team is built within the organization, within the coaching staff, with the guy running the show, and steering the ship, the team is built to compete for that every year. And that's what we have. We haven't won one yet. Okay, fine. But do I feel comfortable that for the next through 2027, that we're going to be able to compete for that? Hell yeah. And a question you have to ask yourself is if not Sean McDermott, then who, who would you replace him with to come and lead these guys? And another thing that I think is unfair is that the national media wants to point at Sean McDermott and say, ha, you have a generational quarterback. You need to win a Super Bowl. You have Josh Allen. Oh, you have Von Miller too. When he comes back healthy, what's your excuse? And I think that's unfair for Sean McDermott. I really do. A lot of things can happen. You know, Patrick Mahomes has lost the Super Bowl to Tom Brady. 
You know, he lost the Super Bowl. You know, no one pointed at Andy Reid and said, why can't you win it? You have Patrick Mahomes. You should be winning it. You know, I, I just think it's an unfair comparison. It's an unfair thing to put that on a coach to say that you have superstars and you need to deliver. Um, but anyways, I'm going to switch gears. I'm going to talk about Brandon Bean. My final notes on Sean McDermott um, is that I feel like we finally have a head coach that I feel comfortable with going into every single season because I know what I'm going to get. I'm going to get a competitive team on the field. I'm going to give a team that's going to fight, scratch, claw for wins, and that's what I want. I don't want a Chan Gailey-led team. I don't want a Dick Duran-led team, a Mike Malarkey, where you had no idea what you were going to get. No idea. And the culture that Sean McDermott's built, and this is going to segue into Brandon Bean, players want to come here. I guarantee Leonard Floyd had an option somewhere else, probably for more money. I guarantee Puna Ford had an option somewhere else, probably for more money. But you know what? I have a better chance of winning in Buffalo. And think about that. We couldn't say that up until Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. We could not say that. They'd come here if we overpaid. Sure. Mario Williams, ring a bell. Marcel Darius signed an extension here because we over, we drastically overpaid Marcel Darius. Terrell Owens came here for one year because we gave him a bunch of money towards the end of his career. And he was just trying to stockpile cash. But big name players didn't come here unless we way overspent. So I'm going to take a sip of water. All right, so moving on to Brandon Bean. I think the overall consensus from Bill's Mafia, Bill's fans, is that we like Brandon Bean. We like what he's done, right? He's got a good resume so far. Um, His record speaks for itself, right? I think we were all shocked to get those notifications in 2017 saying that he traded Sammy Watkins, he traded Ronald Darby, and we got middle-of-the-road players in return and some draft picks, right? I think we were all like, what is this guy about? Because he sat up there on the podium at an introductory press conference and said, I want to create a winning culture. I'm going to draft, develop, resign, and we are going to compete every year this year, next year, and in the future. Has he been wrong? He has not been wrong, right? Yes, some guys that he drafted have left, like Tremaine Edmonds, but we can't sign them all. He sat up on that podium this offseason, right after the free agency wave happened, and said, look, I can't sign them all. I have to follow the rules of the salary cap. I can't sign them all. What I can do is figure out ways to get guys in here that can contribute to the roster and pay them what we can pay them. And that's what he did. This offseason, I think, has been his best work yet. Barring the Josh Allen draft and Tremaine Edmonds draft, because that 2018 draft class was probably his best draft class. Um, the offseason as a whole, yeah, he, he got Vaughn Miller last year, and he got Stefan Diggs three years ago. But look at what he did this year. He took his philosophy of giving Sean McDermott more toys on defense, and he flipped the script. Where did we fall short last season? 
we didn't have the tools offensively to dial up a better game plan. So what did we do? We retooled the offensive line. If you're not excited about Osiris Torrance, you need to be because this guy can be a stalwart right guard for this team for 10 years. Um, he went out and got Connor McGovern. He upgraded the left guard position. So now we should have five guard, five guys that should start the entire season. And if something happens, he added depth. He went out and he added guys that have starting experience in case something happens where Spencer Brown's maybe he's not the guy. He should be, but if he's not, we've we brought in Snell. We have guys that can compete and push these guys, right? All right. We don't have money to go get D-Hop, which we all wanted. So what did he do? He went out and got a plethora of guys to compete and and bring value, right? We don't want to hear that as Bills fans. We want flashy, shiny new things, right? We don't, we don't always want to hear that. But then the draft comes around, and we're all sitting here, and we're probably all thinking, He's taking the linebacker. He's taking a defensive tackle. He's taking an edge defender. And what does he do? He drafts a tight end in the first round. The first offensive player he's drafted in the first round since Josh Allen. Completely blew us away. And then what does he do? He takes another offensive player in the second round. Right? So he's done all of that. On top of the fact that then he goes and gets he goes and gets Puna Ford. He gets Taylor Rapp. He gets Leonard Floyd. So now it's starting to look like this roster, I think, is deeper than it was last year. Now, this all depends on if Von Miller is going to play week one. If Von Miller plays week one, look out. I'm telling you right now, there will be games that we saw last year that we're going to see again this year. I don't care how tough the AFC East is. I don't care how historically tough the AFC is. This team is going to be a tough out for any team any given Sunday. So I think the extension for Bean was well-deserved. He's been in the talks for general manager of, or, or executive of the year. Um, he's one executive of the year before. Um, he's worked wonders with the salary cap. I don't know how the man structures these contracts to get the team under the cap every single season. Now, the future, next year is probably going to be a repeat of this is the most important offseason for Brandon Bean in the history of his tenure with the Bills because he pushed a lot of contracts forward. Vaughn Miller extend, or restructure, Josh Allen restructure, Stefan Diggs restructure. He's got all that coming. It's going to come due. So this is, this is the biggest season, I think, for both of those guys, and they have the most pressure on them out of any of the, the previous seasons that they've been here. I feel like this season, they may not be, you know, Vegas's betting odds to win the Super Bowl, but look at what I just, all that I just laid out for you, right? You have all the drama that just happened with Diggs and, and all that stuff, right? So now they got to, I think it's, I think it's washed and I think it's done, but now they got to, they're going to have to, you know, baby that situation. Um, Sean McDermott's calling plays. Right. So now he's got that on his plate. Right. He has to deal with that. They didn't replace Tremaine Edmonds. What's that going to look like? Um, is Von Miller going to play? What's that going to look like? Josh Allen, we've given you all these shiny new toys. You have people criticizing your play from last year. How's what's that going to look like? So there's all these expectations 
of losing in the playoffs three years in a row, the, the way they lost to the Bengals, like all that stuff is now out there on his plate. So I think the expectations are higher than last year. I think that if we're talking about what I just talked about for almost an hour, I think we're in good hands with Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. If we can talk about how competitive this team is going to be and not how competitive we want this team to be um, on a yearly basis, I think we're good. So to me, to kind of put a bow on all this and wrap this up, um, I think having stability for this coaching staff and this organization is what made the drought the drought. We didn't have a general manager that lasted longer than four or five years. We didn't have a head coach that lasted longer than three. Um, so I think stability, consistency is going to be key. And as long as we are constantly competitive in the AFC East, the AFC and Super Bowl contenders, the Super Bowl, the the ring will come. I feel it. Um, and I know Lance, we've talked about this. I know Akeem, we've talked about this. I know the Bills Chat guys, Josh and Luca, have talked about this on social media or on camera. I know Peter's talked about this. I know all of our people have, have said the same thing that I'm about to say. I'm comfortable with Sean McDermott as our head coach. I, I don't think he's on the hot seat. I don't think we have a window. I don't think that window was closed. I don't think it's ever going to be closed. As long as we have Sean McDermott as our head coach and Josh Allen as our, our quarterback and Brandon Bean as our front office, leading the front office as our general manager. So with that being said, I'm going to head out. Just know that I have a new show that will be debuting. Um, I'm shooting for the third week of July. It's called Off the Edge. Billsology is coming back on Saturday nights with Akeem and me. That's also going to be rolling out in, in July. So look for that. Um, we have all the other lineup happening. We're going to have a pregame show, postgame show. Um, Bill's chat's coming back. We have the sit-down on Thursdays. We have the Buffalo Blitz with Lance and Peter on Tuesdays. So we got a full slate. Um, oh, yeah. Akeem's coming back. A. Rich is coming back on Mondays. So we're going to load you guys up with content. Um, we're going to push everything out in front of you. So thank you again for letting me – let me rant and kind of get this stuff off my chest for the last hour. If you haven't hit the like button, smash the subscribe. You know, if you're watching us on Facebook, share it, follow same thing on Twitter, please retweet, follow all that good stuff. Um, I'm DM three. This has been a pop-up version of, of built in Buffalo live. Um, I'm out go bills and I'll see you next time.